Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. QLPOR, as it's widely known, features a bevy of poets, spoken word artists, and live poetry readings with best-selling authors. Your host is Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. Welcome to the program. Tonight, my very special guest is Julie Berlin. Her new book is titled Song for Ghosts. It's been described as being delightful, amusing, thought-provoking. Welcome, Julie. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you here. It's great to have I've already got a smile on my face because I'm looking forward to hearing your oh. work. Well, oh, let's, let's start so this journey. Let's start this journey, okay? You ready? Yes. Let's start it. All right. Let's do it. Let's start it. Let's do it. <laughs> what is poetry? What is poetry to you? Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. That's Well, that's quite a loaded question to just get right it out is. there with. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, for me, it's uh, a way to express myself um, and to be creative. I mean, I was a very shy girl growing up like the back of the class like doesn't raise her hand kind of girl Mm. um so i was very much an observer uh, you know at a very young age so uh so for me it's it's my way to like make a little tiny little mark on the world because even quiet shy people might have you know stuff to say even if it's simple stuff but it's it's a way to connect to people I like that is so nice. Well, why do you think in a general sense that poetry is important? Oh, well, um, if you don't think poetry is important, then maybe you don't think music is important. I mean, I think it kind of goes hand in hand, uh, you know, the same kind of deal there. Um, It's important because it, gosh, it connects us and shows us we're human. Um, mm-hmm. It um, is, is is a way to connect, yeah, to people and and just um, with. Uh, oh my God! Why did I just I just like blinked out? I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> That's okay. No problem. No problem. Uh, we're together now. It's okay. <laughs> oh. Um, it's important like music and just it's an art form to be um to to um appreciate and um yeah show that you're human and then my Mm -hmm. personal goal with poetry is to like make it kind of fun and um Mm -hmm. to connect to the every person to the every person not just you know talk about things Mm -hmm. that nobody can relate to i want to um point out little things that we all can relate to but in a in an interesting different way. All right, I like yep. that. And I well, yeah. <laughs> please share a poem. Please share a poem, my friend. Please share a poem. Oh, okay. Uh, this is gosh, it's I'm in California, but it's been very stormy and like dumb weather here when um, 
last week it was like 80 degrees and now we're like storming over here. So this mm-hmm. is called play, playing the storm out. The sky is dark and hovering low and the cold steel wind makes the bare branches wave. Bye bye, baby. Bye bye. Everything's gone. Nothing to face what's brewing except me and the sleeping dog and this old beer snuck from the back of the fridge. My own blues, my own flat notes and rises, a song in the wind chimes. The sad and hopeful harmonica of my memory never taken out and played, now dusted off as the clouds beat raindrops down. My lips humming in its teeth, singing, ain't nobody left me but myself. Ain't Mm. nobody left me but myself. Thank you. Oh, wow. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, let me ask you. (laughs) Let me ask you, what is the purpose of that poem? What is the purpose? Well, literally, I was listening to uh, Little Walter's um, uh, Blues with a Feeling song. I was listening to that song, and then, I don't know, I just... Like it literally, the wind chimes were going, and I, I don't, I don't know. I just uh, the purpose is <laughs> like maybe just looking back, <laughs> you know, memory. Looking back looking at back what? Back on life. Um, yeah. Looking back at what? Gosh, you're just really going. No, um, looking or maybe just like introspective. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks, Julie. <laughs> What did you think you were coming to? <laughs> we're a top-notch program. <laughs> it was just me. It's just me. I do everything. But we're a top-notch program over here. <laughs> okay, seriously. <laughs> you no, said but, looking but back. Really, it was, it, yeah, or like just looking inside, like me, maybe, I, okay. you know, literally feeling blue, maybe feeling blue, okay. and that's why I love the blues, but I think the blues can mm. also make me very happy, too, but this is a little bit, um, yeah, feeling kind of alone, maybe, yeah, I think it was, okay. yeah, All feeling right, very alone nice. Thank a little you. bit. Yeah. Well, as yeah. you think about who you are and your writing, and this is your second book, what are some of the predominant themes of your work? Um. My first book was um, right after I had my daughter, and um, and that was, you know, before then. It was like a life of fun poetry readings and music and concerts and going out with friends and stuff, and then, and then I had my daughter, and, you know, obviously that doesn't have to change, but it really was like a struggle of, like, like now I'm a mom, but can I be um, a mom and, like, this? cool other person that used to do all these cool things and so it it was like a struggle you know like a that dichotomy or whatever and um so that was my first book and this was uh this book just was I mean I would say predominantly my themes are um music is inspiration and um just feeling like nostalgia you know after I I'm getting older and Mm -hmm. um yeah, 
I'm literally, I'm literally middle aged. I hate that. Like I can't. I just said that out loud to like the radio, the radio universe. Oh, oh I know the feeling. Middle aged. <laughs> we could spend a whole hour talking about being middle aged and older. <laughs> can't we? Okay. Well, let's go back to the book. Oh yeah. So, so music inspired the book. A lot of songs, a lot of ways that I write poems come from, like, songs that I love. And um, so, so many, I would say possibly 75% of the poems in here come from, like, a song that I was listening mm. to or inspired by a song. And, All right. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, the, the cover of the book is quite striking. Tell me about the process for developing the cover. Oh, oh my gosh, what a great question. It's one of my favorite <laughs> subjects. Um, so I design, actually. <laughs> Hi, I design books um, for, like, on the side or just, like, that's what I do. And so when my um, little manuscript landed on the desk of Lindsay Garcia, the most amazing mm-hmm young woman and um, like cheerleader for authors that come to Meadowlark Press um, when it landed and she wanted to, to publish it um, like from the get go, she was like, you can have as little or as, as much um, hand of your hands in the publishing process as you want. And um, I, I just, I knew that I would want at least, yeah. If I couldn't design the cover, which I couldn't see why not, but um, if I couldn't, you know, I wanted to completely be in charge of directing the cover. So she, but she let me, she's like, you can do whatever you want. Just, you know, let's see what you come up with. And so I came up with a totally different cover and um, it was all approved and we were going to go to like order the proof. And then at Mm -hmm. the last minute I was like, "Uh uh-uh, nope nope there's something about it that isn't fully me or like really speaking to me even though I just designed it so so Mm -hmm. I did a complete 180 and I came up with this concept and it was like yes that was it the go and then Lindsay designed the interior and I love how she did it because it's how I would have done it so really great. Well, for those who have yet to see the book because it's newly off the presses tell me about the concept what is on the cover Oh, um, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, one of my <laughs> best friends in life, who's also a poet, who's also been on your um, show, Todd Cirillo, is lit. My oh, he is like, oh, my gosh, he's so amazing, <laughs> like, because, because he, he is just the most um, creative person to bounce, like, we think alike, and, and um, we can bounce ideas off of each other. So he was, I don't know, saying something about like vintage, um, like something vintage on the on the cover. You know, maybe a an mm-hmm. old vintage album cover or something. And um, and then I was like, vintage. I thought of the vintage stripes that I I love. Like you just look at those mm-hmm. colors and you see vintage. And then and then I thought of the song, the sound waves, um, and melding the two together. Oh, All right, Very and nice. I, I I think a black a black cover is pretty striking. Always, I think. Yes, too. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, if you had to, and I'm going to use the word convince, a friend or colleague to purchase a copy of your book, what would you share with them? Well, um, I work at my library here, and, um, you know, a lot of my coworkers are, you know, obviously into books and stuff, but they might not really be into poetry per se at all mm-hmm. or, like, know much okay. about it. But um, mm-hmm. so one of my coworkers, she, she said, I, I want to come to your – your book launch but um you know i don't really you know i don't necessarily like like poetry or know a lot about poetry and i said that's exactly why i said you are like my goal in life it's people like you that i want to come to my reading because and and read my work because i want you to walk away going okay that was actually really cool and really fun and um and i totally like had a different experience with it and connected to it in ways I didn't think I wasn't expecting. Cause yeah, right. I, I try to make, well, it, yeah. Well, please share a poem. Please share another poem. Okay. Okay. This is <clears throat> Armstrong Park with Collie for my buddy Todd Cirillo. It was <laughs> the beginning of a Friday night and the end of a work week from hell. He headed toward the music, where it's free and open, as it always is in New Orleans. He stopped under the towering statue of Louis with brass trumpet in hand, the sun setting behind him in streaked oil paint colors across the southern sky. And all he wanted to do was sit there, he texted me, in the park with a collie. Everything about this statement made sense, held true, except the collie part. He hates dogs, thinks they are man's failed attempt at being human. I thought maybe he turned a corner, saw the greatness that emanates from such benevolent and all-knowing companions, thought his heart opened a little more to this great world. A collie, I texted back, coldie, I meant a coldie, and I couldn't, I could practically hear the cat and him laughing out loud, cursing autocorrect as the sun set (laughs) and the jazz played on. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's for you, Todd. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Let's let's go back in time. Let's go back in time, all right? Going back in time. Okay, (laughs) okay. What was an early experience where you learned that that poetry had power? (laughs) Um, Oh, boy. Well, um, let's see. It it definitely, I don't, I mean, I wrote poetry like in high and high school, but it wasn't because um, I was inspired by what they were teaching me. Um, you know, I found all that stuff, you know, boring crap, but, um, mm-hmm. but I was a person who was very passionate and I, you know, fell in love every other day with a different person. So I um, loved mm-hmm. writing love poetry. So, so I, mm. I just did that for fun. And sometimes I would give my boyfriends like the poems, but they were like, what's this crap, but 
Um, but I think when it really um, when it really hit was when I was in college, the early years of college, and learning about teach you in high school, um, mm-hmm. and and then you know people completely different from me, um, but like still completely um, connecting and thinking it's you know connecting with their work. And Bukowski was uh, was one of those Charles. Bukowski as a young girl, um, an older man. I was like a, a teenager, like an older, like I was like 18. And he mm-hmm. was like a friend of a friend. And he, I remember one time he, um, he sat, we sat, he worked at a restaurant with my friend and we were sitting at a table and he's like, so you should know Bukowski. And here's like a poem. Cause he knew I liked like Hemingway and like really simple, um, you know, sentence structure and, and all that. So he, he showed me Bukowski and I just fell in love. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. like poetry can be simple and not, you know, this lofty thing and, um, and, you know, still make a humongous punch, you know. So mm, I nice. fell in love at, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, when you think about your work, how does a poem begin for you with an idea image or form um oh definitely not a form a form What's okay a form? no i'm just kidding um no i'm just <laughs> um <Hey>. pro- <laughs> probably uh like a line a line will come to me and and it it will have to be um or something i hear or something i experience um that just hits me and, and then I come up with a line and then I build it around that, that line. That's usually how it works for me. Okay. Share another yeah. poem. Share another poem. Okay. Okay, great. This is, uh, um, this is stranded. <laughs> After a tough day of being a mom with no other aspects of me showing I am huddled against the kitchen sink, water running, da- water running to drown out the sound of my daughter crying for something when all she ever gets is my undivided love. I pretend to wash sippy cups or the vegetables I should be cooking for dinner, but instead I reach in the freezer behind the Eggo waffles, tucked in there neatly, slide out my bottle of gin, sip right from the lip. On the other side of town, friends gather and drink cheap beer pitchers, laugh and tell stories of their days at the river or their musical nights with new and exciting strangers, wonder where I am for a brief moment. Hopeless, I retreat to the living room where my daughter is now coloring in quiet, learning her letters. I look down and there under her pink sea and purple seahorses, among the scribbles and squiggles, the message is clear. S-O-S. Thank you. Wow. You know, the line <laughs> that stood out to me was no other aspects mm. of me showing. No other aspects oh. of me showing. Tell me about that line. <laughs> that is extremely striking. 
Oh, gosh, thank you so much. Um, like, because I was literally in momhood at that, at that, okay. in that moment, just completely just a mom, no other aspects, no other, not the, um, the friends gathering and drinking cheap beer pictures or any of that. I was just the mom, the mom listening to her child cry in the other room. Mm. Well, that packs a punch. Truly it does. Oh, Let's take a brief break. Thank you. We'll take a brief break and we'll be right back. We are back. I am Michael Anthony Ingram. I'm here with Julie Valin. <laughs> Talented Julie Valin. <laughs> yeah. I'm get it right. <laughs> you got Your it. work. You got it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Your work to me is about emotion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Or, do you think there's yeah, some, emotion. You, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Emotion? Okay. <laughs> do you think that someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions in their work, if oh. you don't see strong emotions in their work? Well, we see it every darn day where uh, they're not necessarily showing their emotions at all, but I guess you can still be um, uh, you could still be a poet and not like reveal your emotions clearly mm-hmm. in your poems. But I think because I write in the narrative style, um, it's like kind of the after hours style, which is, you know, kind of confessional um, and, you know, about everyday moments and stuff. I, I guess I, you know, I can reveal clearly my emotions. And um, it actually surprised me because people keep saying, you know, people that maybe don't read a lot of poetry, like friends that mm-hmm. have my book, they're, they're telling me, you know, it's so personal. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, shoot. Like, what did I just reveal without, like, really knowing that I'm revealing that? Um, but, I mean, I guess I kind of knew I was revealing it. I don't know if you know right. what I mean. But, right. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think mine is 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 like like more um like more revealing and out outwardly um you know saying what I'm really feeling or going through. All right, I understand that. You know, I did not ask you if you come from a literary background. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I mean, um, I just grew up, my mom would always be reading a book, like every day she was reading, reading. So it made me, like, love reading books at an Mm -hmm. early age. And then um, I think, you know, as I said, being like a quiet, you know, girl and stuff, like I could get lost in books. And um, so in that way, like I became kind of like really interested in, in literary, all things literary, but, um, but yeah, not really influenced by anybody in my family, but very supported, I will say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Please share another poem. Please share another poem. I want to hear you work. Okay, uh, this is uh, <clears throat> When Ghosts Appear for Carrie Floyd. Claimed he saw Bukowski, the now long-dead poet, who just appeared before him, smiling big, standing over a bird. A bluebird, I asked cleverly, referencing his most famous poem. No, just a regular bird, he replied matter-of-factly. I was curious. I wonder why he was smiling. I think he was just trying to tell me that things were going to be really good for me from now on. I wanted to press him. Why the bird? Because the bird represents me, how I travel from port to port with not a thing to my name and never a need to unpack just exploring any place I want, away from the people. Hmm, that's cool, was all I could say. That's just my interpretation, he continued. When ghosts appear, you can't ask them why they're there. You can only guess. You can be right or you can be wrong. You'll never know for sure. That's the thing about ghosts. We were quiet for the rest of the car ride home. He was looking out the window at the swamp, at the yucca trees, at the crumbling stones of the ancient Fort St. John. He pointed out a lone bird in the middle of the field, standing by an unmarked grave, foraging for worms as the green grass waved. Thank you. Wow. I'm glad that you shared that particular poem because you used the word ghost, and I had planned to ask you to tell me about the title of your book, Song of Ghosts. Yeah, so <laughs> songs for ghosts. Well, I, I looking through, it, um, you know, my my manuscript when I was looking at, um, there were literal like that had re- references to phantoms or or ghosts. But um, but I think generally, like overall, um, ghosts can be just people that are like your past and your past that are no longer in your life or um, 
you know, that made an impression on you or whatever. So it's, it's yeah, full of ghosts. <laughs> mm. Do you spend a lot of time at poetry readings or maybe prior to the pandemic? Were you uh, a regular person reciting your work on the mic, that type of thing? Uh, no, I haven't been um, re- in the last, like, probably six years or so, but, um, but uh, that's where I met Cirillo and people like Bill Gaynor was, was uh, I became a part of the Nevada County Poetry Series in like 2001 or two. And, um, and it was mm-hmm. a monthly series and, and I was on the board with like, with, you know, I don't know how many of us were, there were six or something. And, um, and we would have like a feature, like two featured readers and then an open mic every month. And so I was a part of that, but um and then, you know, I, that's where I met um, Todd Cirillo, and he kind of <laughs> taught me or demonstrated to me, like, how to actually, like, get up and perform your poems or just, like, yes. just kind of, yeah. Yeah, he's a really, I mean, he, he's an amazing performer. He's very, like, active on the stage and, and very um, engaging and, like, kind of, engages with the audience sometimes even you know talks to the audience and people talk to him and stuff and i Mm -hmm. had never seen poetry done that way so he i mean not that i'm that like outgoing or whatever on the stage it's taken me a very long time to learn how to like not even be nervous or anything but to just Mm. you know be be strong in my presentation of my poems well that was going to be my question what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice, if there's a relationship at all? <laughs> um, well, that is, that is, I don't know if you mean like philosophically or like literally, but. Um, either one, either one, <laughs> either one, my friend. <laughs> I, I actually, I have a t-shirt that says I write better than I talk. And that is, for damn sure, I okay. I am not a very I'm not a very um, yeah articulate person sometimes, and I have a lot of ums and all that. But um, right. but when I'm writing, you know, it's a whole different thing. And and my my mom told me like I kind of don't remember doing this, but as a teenager, when I got really really mad at her, I would write her like letters instead of just. <laughs> yelling at her <laughs> so, uh, so i'm really much more brave i'm much more brave okay. in my writing voice than my speaking voice which brings up the question has a poem ever humbled or frightened you one that you've written um wow that is such a good question there is <laughs> Um, yeah, there like there's one poem from each of my books um, that like I read. The, I'll use my old my first book. Um, when I read that poem in public, like at mm-hmm. a reading, and my husband was sitting in the audience, he he said later he's like that was he is like the most supportive person. I just want to say that, but he he goes All that right. was a little hard 
a little hard to sit through, he says. He, he, and, and it, like, it kind of, like, it really was, I guess, personal. See, that's what's, like, bizarre. Like, I think I'm just writing poems. I'm not, I don't, I didn't really realize I am, I guess, revealing some things, but especially if the person knows what I'm talking about or whatever. So mm-hmm. that poem, I never, I don't really perform, you know, out loud at all. Um, okay. And then there's one in, in my newer, in my new book that just makes me kind of sad. So I don't um, do, I don't like perform it usually. I only mm-hmm. did it one, one time and, and, uh, and it was hard. Wow. Yeah. Wow, very nice. I guess I can't say very nice, but (laughs) I understand. I understand. I understand. Very nice didn't fit right there. I understand. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. As you think about your writing in terms of accessibility, should one have to work to solve a poem? That is completely a big fat no they should not have to work to solve a poem i mean that's kind of tell me more tell me more tell me more (laughs) i mean you want to connect right when you're listening to poetry you want to connect you want to be able to visualize you know at least at the at the very least visualize what they're talking about and and you want to you want to understand it that's that's the misconception about poetry or people that mm-hmm. don't commonly go to poetry readings or read poetry is they, um, they think it is something you have to kind of figure out and that scares them. They don't know that, that that's not all tree is like that. And, and my goal is to um, make it completely not like that. And um, mm-hmm. I really love, I can't help it. I mean, I know he's a household name in poetry, but um I love Billy Collins, and um, I, okay. his work is very accessible and funny, but also like, whoa, like it can pack a punch and, and make you feel stuff. And he he said he said, yeah, um, the word accessible to me when people call my poems accessible, it's like it's like hearing you know nails scratching on a chalkboard. He goes, I don't really like it because what they mean is that. The, or what it, that implies is that it takes no craft to make mm-hmm. a poem accessible. And that is completely not the case. He's still a very huge genius in crafting the poem, even though um, he talks about things we all can relate to. So um, that, to me, makes a big impact. Well, I want to make an observation. Accessibility must be, must be very important to you because your voice took on a different onus. It was very powerful when you talked about it. It was very, oh. not so, I won't say in your face, but there was a richness to it that it was different. I don't know. It's just something about oh. that just seemed to strike you differently. I don't know. I'm just, just saying what I'm, oh. what I'm hearing. I like that. That's cool. I must be very passionate about that. (laughs) Very passionate. That's the word. That's the word, passionate. (laughs) You know, let me ask you a question. (laughs) I know you're talking about questions. But what I want to know is what surprises you about being a poet? Um, (laughs) Surprises. Well, gosh, what surprises me? 
Hmm. Or maybe I'll ask, I mean, what have you learned about yourself being a poet? Either one of those you can answer. Oh. Um, hmm. Well, just that, I mean, I have learned that, I think right in the beginning, that, you know, I could be kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I'm not, um, I don't love, like, being in the spotlight and, completely talking about myself said no poet mm-hmm. ever except for me because I really don't mm-hmm. love it a lot. But, um, right. So, but, but that doesn't mean that I don't have things like cool things to say and make you mm-hmm. think about in my poetry. And again, mm-hmm. that connects, connects me because I, because I'm not going to be out there going, Hey, look at me. You know, I can right. still kind of connect connect mm-hmm. plug into the world through my through my work um mm-hmm. and that makes me happy i like that very nice because just based yeah. on what i've heard tonight you do have things to share with the world and i oh, think it's beautiful oh thank you so much michael yes yes That's so great another poem <laughs> another poem please okay <laughs> okay uh this <laughs> is um this is called Chopsticks. Me, how to eat sushi with chopsticks. Thank you. Because of you, I was able to eat an entire spicy tuna roll today while driving. I pulled it off expertly using only chopsticks, box in my lap, knees on the wheel, and then a cat power song came on with the sound of thunder in the background to add to the significance. She was singing, I will love this love forever, a notion we never allowed to spill between us on that gray day in my living room, the rain shouting against the sliding glass door and both of us quiet with knowing. We were too mixed up with everything, the rain, the Cat Power album, the impossible distance. But I look back and love how your hand, like a surgeon, clasped the two sticks deftly as you gently squeezed the small, delicate heart on your plate before you consumed it. Thank you. Mm. You know, as I was reviewing the titles of your poems, they're intricate, they're very detailed. What role should a title play for a poem? Oh, my gosh. Titles are really important, but I will admit, I kind of suck at them. And, um, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to tell, like, um, so go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Todd Cirillo is a master at titles. Sometimes he'll help me. Mm-hmm. Like think about me, yeah. It's it's that's a tough one. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe after all, they don't make a humongous difference, but you know, they kind of do. Actually. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So when you say they kind of do, what, what for you? What goes into the title? Is it the emotional piece? Is it something else? What process it for me? Talk to me. Well, um, sometimes it's like pulling like a line or something from, you know, from 
like a clever line or something or part of a line or um or just like yeah just the sum summary <laughs> a summary okay um yeah or a rep repetition of a line i don't know that's all cool. right all right that's good all right. yeah I like that well one more question before i'd like you to share another poem now i want you to go back in time all right <laughs> If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Um, it would be to just, like, gosh, like maybe something for, like, always writing and not really um, caring what other people think until until the day she shared her uh, poems in public and she got like a great response. I mean, that showed her anyways, that that's like took a lot of bravery. So um, Mm -hmm. I just, I would probably commend her for making that leap because it, you can't, you can't really be a poet and just write poems in your room or whatever behind a closed door. You really have to share them. Like that's Mm -hmm. what makes you a poet. And in my opinion, Well, do you think you were meant to be a poet? Yes, for sure. Mm. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? (laughs) I I just, I always, like you you said it, like I've always been an emotional, like, you know, person Mm -hmm. and and introspective and very introspective. So um, that just taps right into it leads right into writing writing poet poetry. Mm-hmm. All right. It's like Share fulfilling. It's fulfilling. Okay. Well, make it fulfilling um, for me right now. Recite another piece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying you so much, so I'm so glad you're with me tonight. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Michael. I'm enjoying myself, too. I, yeah, you, you make it very easy and fun, and I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. This is called Another Poem Lives. He picked me up at the Louis Armstrong Airport, followed by a failed attempt at the drive-through daiquiri shop. With the joint surrounded by six cop cars and the worker being walked out in handcuffs. Sam's daiquiris, he drove me around the lower garden district pointing out shotgun houses and antebellum witches' mansions, the colors and shapes, a gallery of streets, and then an evening walk down magazine to the neighborhood Vietnamese place under a vampire sky. Now, here we are in his New Orleans living room, drinking vodka and sodas out of famous glasses etched in the city's architecture. Three years gone, and little Walter playing against the rock and roll hum of the window cooler and overhead fan. He tells me stories of his after-hours adventures in his new adapted dialect, with all traces of California gone. He remains a poem wrapped up in life. Even his street is named after the Greek muse of lyrical poetry, for God's sake. He refills our drinks, and somehow she comes up. He loved her, he admits. He still 
loves her. At least you got some damn good material, I offer. Yeah, he exhales in sort of a laugh. Material, material can sure keep me warm in the middle of the night if I set it on fire. The famous glass he's holding sweats like tears running down on what will now become this famous August night. The humid air choking and glistening with truth as the blues ring out and another poem lives and breathes. Thank you. Wow. We'll be right back. friend Julie. <laughs> not only are we <laughs> not only are we a, a radio program, a blog talk show that talks about different things, we're also a call-in show and you have a caller. No way. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And uh, this person wants to ask you a question. Are you ready? Okay. I am so ready. All right. All right. Area code 504. The first three numbers are 228. You're on the air with Julie. Well, you could have added the rest of the numbers in case there's any single women out there who might want the rest of it. So, so, so quickly, quickly I, I do have a question for, for Julie. Um, quick comment right before <laughs> What I really love, uh, what Julie said early in the program, when you asked her about the poems, what was the meaning or something, and there really wasn't one, and she admitted that, because most mm-hmm. poets will try to, it seems like they want to create a whole, you know, almost like a university lecture about the depth and meaning, and sometimes I, I, I like <laughs> how honest she was and how simple, sometimes it just you know, don't know what it's about, or it's just words written down. Mm-hmm. What I, yeah. my question mm-hmm. is: How do you how do you know when it when it's time to to get the work done? When it's really time oh, to write, question. what gets you to write? Yeah, and and how do you know it? When it's just time to write. Yeah. Um, what does it take to What does it take to get you to to write and produce? Poems and like and, something, you know. Do mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, or how do you and do you know know it ahead of time, like when it's coming? Oh, I never really know when it's coming, but it, yeah, it's usually inspired by like an experience, um, you know, an experience being out in the world and seeing something or noticing something or hearing something, um, and then if it 
like inspires me or something, then I want to um, like work with it and kind of, yeah, make it, make it a thing that somebody goes, Oh, wow. You know, or just, yeah. Um, But, but, you know, with the stupid pandemic and everything, we weren't really going out, out a lot. We weren't out in the world. Like you have to be kind of out in the world. Like you are Mr. Cirillo, you're out in the world all the time. Um, But yeah, with the pandemic, like there were some people that were like, Oh, I just, like wrote every day. Uh-uh, not me. No fucking way. No, I I had absolutely no inspiration to do it for a long time. But but how do yeah. you know when it's time but to I write did... a line down? Oh, um, well, when I see something or when it, like right there in the moment, like sometimes it's in my car or something. You know, I'm driving in my car and like something will come to me or a line or something, a song comes on or something and I'll, I'll literally pull over and write it down, you know, in, in the car or, um, you know, out at the grocery store or whatever. I'll go, I'll go back and, and write it down. If something strikes me. I'd like to and piggyback on those questions. And Michael, let me take it back before question. you go. Before you go, before oh, you go, Mr. Cirillo, you know you're my man. Here we go, Julie. Some poets claim. Listen, listen. Some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out there, there's not much you can do to correct or improve it. While others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it in terms of editing? Maybe you've already answered this. I just just want to know again. No, no. I mean, it, I mean, um, sometimes I can get. It'll be brilliant. I'll get like almost. I'll get the whole thing down, and and it's you know pretty good, but um, or whatever, or I'll think it is. But uh, but it definitely will always need some kind of revision. I mean, sometimes I don't say exactly what I want to say, and I go around. Mm-hmm. I don't go around the wall that I have set up there for myself. So it, it actually takes somebody like Todd. He's literally the only mm-hmm. human on the planet right now that can <laughs> look at my poems and go, no, you, that's not quite like you kind of, you, you're kind of saying this. And it, it always surprises me because like, yeah, because maybe it's not obvious when I write it down. So I, mm-hmm. so revision is very important, but um <clears throat> Yeah, rarely does it just all come out and it's like brilliant. But. All right, all right. <laughs> well, Mr. Cirillo, Todd Cirillo, you need to come back on the program, my friend. It's been too long. Would love to. Let me write a few few more things because um, I'm sure Julie can uh, agree with me on this. Never trust a poet who gets up and says, "I just wrote this." All right. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in. <laughs> yeah, you, you're my buddy. Just absolutely wonderful. Just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Julie, love you. Mean it. All right. That's nice. Right, darling. Very nice. Very, very nice. The only way we can follow that up is with you sharing another poem. Oh, okay. I'm going to leave this, this playful poem 
um, with this playful, not leave, I'm not leaving, I'm not going anywhere. Um, drunk <laughs> satisfaction. Two white Russians made with your grandmother's jackass jigger glass overtake your keto withered body on a Wednesday night slightly after dinner time, and the only person around to see it is your best friend halfway across the country on a screen. Are you still drunk? We were right in the middle of a meaningful discussion about what poetry can and can't do for the people when my phone goes dead. With that apt metaphor, I bump around in the kitchen with my curious dog staring at the floor by my feet, and I'm doing this and I'm slicing that, and the stones come on the radio, and I'm trying to make some toast, but I can't get no avocado. <laughs> the knife slips, flies, and skids across the floor and lands right under my dog's nose, but somehow I don't miss a beat and continue chopping things. I make something edible having to do with mayo and mustard and cheese on a low-carb tortilla with a side pile of Doritos because I'm a rebel like that. I make another white Russian with my grandmother's glass, do a silent air cheers to all the jackasses, and think more about poetry and what the people want when it comes to it. I have no answers, except that this sandwich thing is rewarding and those Doritos really clenched the deal, which is all the satisfaction I'm going to get on a Wednesday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Do you know, and hopefully you'll indulge me, indulge me, the poem that I want to hear is one where you Ooh. mention Nina Simone. And uh, oh, the title oh. of it is Empty Room Radio. I've got to hear that. I've got to hear it yeah. all out. I, I actually, it's one of my favorite poems, so thank you for, um, for requesting it. I would love to read it. Empty Room Radio. You are my favorite song that hasn't come on in years. The one I dance in the car to or play while chopping onions with a steady beat and a wild trumpet solo. I am Nina Simone beckoning. Do I move you? Are you willing? Do I groove you? Is it thrilling? I am BB's Lucille, my soul strummed and bent, ringing out, filling every corner of the space you stand in long after I've walked away. I am 3 a.m. blues, Coco Taylor's voodoo woman. I can look through water and spy dry land. I'm looking through water now and can still make out your face. I swear you're smiling. I am the radio left on in an empty room, my hopeful notes plucking the curtains with the kiss of a harmonica, a chorus of please. Oh, wow. I like that. That's it. <laughs> I like well, that. Well, you like that. You should, thank you so much, Michael. You, and so the cool thing that I did, because sometimes I do cool things, but I made a soundtrack, and it's in the back of the book. You can actually mm -hmm. scan the Spotify, the Spotify code and go right to it. But it has Nina Simone, Coco Taylor, Little Walter, you know, like a wide range of my influences right. there. 
Yeah. Wow. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the following questions, one that I've asked over 200 guests now. What do you view Ooh. as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? What role of a modern-day poet? A, yes, what is the role of a poet? <laughs> yes, in modern-day society. Yes. What do you think? Oh, oh, the role of a poet, I think, is to kind of, like, turn a mirror onto all of humanity and just um, mm-hmm. maybe it's also at the same time um, marking our time and history, and, and that's always a cool thing, a cool way to to um, leave your mark uh, on the world is to go back. Um, maybe, yeah, it's... it's um, that's that's what I think, uh, and then you know I keep saying it. It's a way to connect and just yes. plug into the world and share and mm-hmm. share yourself. Share yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. And you've talked about connection a lot tonight, and the importance of it. And I agree. Yeah. Um, we're almost at the end of our journey, my friend. Is there oh, one awesome. more poem you'd like to share with us? Just one more. Um, I have a little short poem that's from my okay. um, my first book, The Between, and it it's like just so simple, but it's like one of my favorite poems. Um, All right, and it's called it's called Scars. Scars. You promised you would kiss every one of them if you could find them. I would scar them into me all over again if I believed you. That's it. Oh, wow. That's not all she wrote, wow. though. <laughs> That's it, Michael. All right. <laughs> I was settling in, ready for some more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had barely settled in, and it was over. <laughs> okay. Pull the where can listeners find your work? Where can they find Songs for Ghosts? Oh, okay. So um, you, it actually is on Amazon, but you, you also should be able to order it at any um, of your local bookstores, but um, also through Meadowlark Press directly and their website. Oh, my God, I had it right here. But I think it's, it's – uh, meadowlarkbookstore.com dot com mm-hmm. um, will take you right to the book, or you could go to my, um, my. I made a book page for it, and and because it's a, it was a Mailchimp thing, um, it was like a long address. So I used tiny URL, which is tinyurl.com slash mc songs for ghosts. And all right. And yeah. Well, it's it's also on the information page. Uh, if you go back to read more about Julie, it's on the information page on Blog Talk Radio. That's another place you can find the information about where you can find the book. All right. How Thank can listeners so stay in touch with you, Julie? How can they stay in touch? Look me up on Facebook or Instagram. I'm there. I'm right mm-hmm. there, and and I I yeah, that's the best place. Just Google right. in, yeah, on Facebook. 
Final question. What is in the works for you next? What's next? Oh, wait, is there another thing or can I just be like, no. Um, just sitting back. No, I'm just kidding. Sitting back. I got that done with. I'm just like, no, uh, I'm still writing. Uh, I'm writing a few poems here and there and, you know, we're always going to be doing that. So who knows? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows what, well, um, but it, it'll, it'll take me a few years probably to gather <laughs> another book. Well, I want to thank you. It was a long journey for us to get here. <laughs> and we yes, got here. <laughs> so much has happened. So much has happened. So much. <laughs> Since we first <laughs> emailed each other. But uh, I'm glad you're here. You made my evening. I love your work. Songs for Ghosts. So great, great book, poetry book. You're talented. You've got a bright future, and I'm, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much, Michael. You're awesome, and I'm a big fan, just a big fan Aww. of you. <laughs> Thank you. We're both smiling now. <laughs> all, right. Well, know, <laughs> all right. Everybody out there in the listening, in listening land, I want to thank you for joining us tonight, for being here every week, and as I share with you, my famous statement, let poetry ring somewhere. All right, goodbye. Take care and good night. Bye-bye. Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio is available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also check out the website at qlpor.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.